an animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal, come here the animal, talking animal, talking animal. Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest today is Glenn Hatchell, returning for the fifth installment of Ask the Trainer. You may recall that a little over a year ago, we conducted something of an experiment, trying out an extended new segment called Ask the Trainer. And the trainer in this case, of course, was Glenn Hatchell, former WMNF programmer. Glenn is an accomplished dog trainer and behaviorist and currently works as the behavior and enrichment manager at the Humane Society of Tampa. In that initial show and the four similar shows we presented subsequently, we invited listeners to call or email in with questions about their dog or their cat's behavior or training, and Glenn responded. People seem to really appreciate Appreciate the help and guidance Glenn provided. And of course, the information he offered was simultaneously helpful to many of those listening. So we now present Ask the Trainer every three or four months or so here on Talking Animals on WNF, including obviously today. So we again invite listeners to call in at 813 239 9663. We've learned that phone calls tend to be most effective because they enable Glenn to ask the caller follow up questions, more precisely assessing the issue and maybe better calibrating the recommended solutions so um, that's the recommended way to go but uh, for listeners unable to call or just feel uncomfortable calling we also aim to incorporate questions submitted by email at dj at wmnf.org or via text 813-433-0885 so feel free to call start calling now or emailing now while Glenn and I talk for a few minutes and we're in a different studio that prevented me from calling Glenn so hopefully I have him here because we're already off to kind of a little bit of an interesting start on talking animals here so let's uh, see if we do have Glenn here Glenn are you there? Yes I am Great I uh, thought the odds were good but I was uh, surprised to find I could not call out from the studio so anyways how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm sitting here watching some dark clouds to like the, um, well, at least from the northeast, from the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, kind of looking over the Citrus Citrus Parkway. So um, it kind of looks like we've got some, certain areas are getting some rain this morning. So I would imagine there's some scared dogs at home right now. Wow. All right. Well, that, that may be yet another topic that we'll touch on today. But I know one of the things we kind of wanted to really uh, address is maybe even a bit of a through line. But initially, what would you say are some steps you recommend we take when, when bringing a, a new dog home? You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to, I was thinking this may be something to talk about, is that I think throughout the um, Tampa Bay area, just the, the community support for the animals are is just still amazing. And what I see more and more are or people who are looking for kind of that structure of what to do and the what to do at the at the initial what to do at the very first you know at the very beginning maybe they've got another dog at home or a cat or you know it could be any number of scenarios and really there's every scenario if you think about it because i think the number still holds that there's what 43% of the american households have a dog I think that's the figure I've heard at some point. Anyway, it's pretty high. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, th- so I put together and we've started published pub- or kind of putting it out more and more on social media and through our, some of our publications here at the Humane Society is kind of the, so you've got a new dog. What, how do you want to, you know, what should you do to begin with? <clears throat> and one of the first things that even if, whether you have another, whether there's another dog at home or not, one of the best things to do at the, as soon as you get your dog home is take him for a long walk. Um, now, long, obviously, is going to depend on a lot of factors. A younger dog is going to go longer than another dog. But long sometimes could be, I think of long as more of a duration, not distance. You know, it's, you're not trying to look at the mileage, but what you are looking, what you want to accomplish is the beginning of that human-animal bond. And sniffing is one of the things dogs love to do the most. And going into a new space or a, a new area, a new environment, whether it's a yard or a house or whatever, the more space there is, generally, the more comfortable a dog's going to be. So if you're outside, for example... Some fearful dogs will be more comfortable outside than they would be inside. Now, obviously, <laughs> there's somebody at home right now or somebody right now that's listening thinking, oh, that's not my dog's case. But um, using that scenario of this is a dog that loves to go for walks, which most dogs do, and they get a lot of them here at the shelter walking around the block, um, is taking the dog on that walk so they can sniff, so they can mark um, and explore, but also building that bond. When they look at you, give them a treat. Just be happy like most dogs are happy. Um, if you've got another dog at home, <clears throat> then you would want to take that other dog with you as well. I'm assuming in this scenario, as I'm imagining it, there's another person who is going to be handling that dog. And when if, if the dogs are uncomfortable, or really to begin with, I would even say if they don't immediately look each other look at each other and want to start playing. One can start on one side of the street and one on the other side of the street because distance is a big factor in helping dogs decide that it's it's okay to take one more step forward to check this thing out. Mm. Um, I oh, think too often owners force dogs into the yeah. situations that dogs might not be ready to go into. And honestly, sometimes if you give the dog thirty seconds, the dog's going to say, "Okay." I'm comfortable now. I'll be ready to do it. Um, that helps a dog build resilience because, you know, they know they can, if they've got that choice, they're able to do it. And, you know, I love that bumper sticker. I see some on some vehicle around here regularly. It says, and you didn't die. You know? <laughs> and we started making a joke out of that because it applies to so much of us as well. We started using that as our own, um, one of our own uh, mental health things of, you know, I didn't like that. Yeah, but you didn't die, you know. Yeah. And so we joke about it. But um, so obviously I could talk about this for a really long time. That's just step one. But I think, again, it always the basics, the fundamentals always play back into every behavior problem. Yeah. You know, sometimes and, it, and again, at various levels. So. That's kind of throughout the show. We'll be, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll keep coming around to a lot of those, you know, foundation skills. And like I always said, or used to say frequently, I need to upgrade my player. But um, you know, Derek Jeter even had a swing coach. <laughs> that's know. right. Now he's been yeah. retired for so long. Now you know the kids look at me like, who? That's that guy that used to play with Babe Ruth, right? So, <laughs> or thereabouts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Glenn. So we are speaking. This is Talking Animals. We're doing another installment of Acid Trainer. And the voice you just heard of in my own, of course, was Glenn Hatchell, who, again, is the Behavior Enrichment Manager for the uh, Humane Society of Tampa Bay. We are taking your calls today at 813-239-9663 for questions about uh, your dog's behavior, training, cat questions as well, any kind of issues that you're having with any uh, dog and, and, and or cat in the household so the phone number is a good way to go you can also email dj at wmnf.org with your question or you can submit it to us via text at 813-433-0885 and if you do call in just uh, hang tight because uh, you might have to be on hold for a little bit before we can get to you but uh, but we will get to you and so i know already some some one caller has come and gone but um but just 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 know that i'll put you probably on hold instantly you won't necessarily even hear anybody pick up the phone but you are on hold and you are waiting so we're going to get to the uh the first caller that we have here. Hi, you're yeah, on talking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Interrupt and stop me when somebody calls. Yeah. So hi, um, you're on, you're on the air with uh, Glenn Hatchell with acid trainer on talking animals. Is that me? Yeah. Go ahead, please. Yes. Oh, very good. Um, I am, uh, from Auburndale. Susan from Auburndale. I have a Corgi, a nine month old Corgi. And, um, one of the problems we've had with it, it's a wonderful dog, but when we leave the dog, wants to occasionally chew our um, shoes and he doesn't totally destroy them, but he he chews them he he has destroyed a, a maybe two or three or four pairs of sandals and shoes what can we do to try to keep from uh, having that happen because we're running out of places to put our sho- we we've started putting up our shoes but I, I feel like maybe there might be a way we can train them not to chew our shoes Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you, what you just said right there is absolutely the first step is not let him be able to get to them. So that way it protects your, your shoe investment. Um, and I know somebody who had a dachshund one time, and his favorite thing was to chew the heels on her shoes. And other than the fact that the chew marks on them, the shoes would be fine. But that was what he went after and such. So... Um, there's probably, I think there's, I think there's several, a couple of reasons why a dog likes to go for shoes. I think part of it is because since it is something we wear or you wear, there's very much of a familiar, you know, it's almost like it's part of you. Um, but I think the key thing you said here is nine month old dog, um, because he is still, and especially with a Corgi, because being herding type and active, um, he is looking for um, something to keep him entertained. Um, and you, you said this usually this happens when you're gone, when you've left. Yes, we haven't had him uh, grab any of our shoes while we're home. So mm-hmm. it, it is something when we're, when we're uh, gone. Right. And, of course, when you're home, probably he's, well, he's got you. That's one way to think about it. <clears throat> and when you're not there, he's looking for something to do. So I would, does he like toys? He loves toys, and we do uh, spread out a, uh, um, a bucket full of various toys for him before we leave. Mm-hmm. But he's still, go- but he was still going for the shoes. Not all the time. It's just, it's just one of the habits that we're. Uh, we've been working with him. He's really smart. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're working with him, trying to learn, uh, teach him how to walk beside us when we go for walks, uh-huh. and we. We take him outside in our yard. It's a fenced-in yard and play when we're, we're home to try to get give him the exercise because he is high energy. 
But um, mm-hmm. it's just uh, so you know. Yep. So so um, so what you want to do the the way that I would think about this is that you want to we want to reward him for. Let me think through this now. So <clears throat> at the moment, what you want to do is is what or you've done the first thing you want to do, and that's take away his access to the shoes. So I would begin rewarding him for his to- for his other toys um, by probably when and you may be doing this now, but which is which is great if you are. But as what I'm thinking is that if he's got one toy, you grab another toy and then toss it for him to chase it. So in other words, all the toys are fun. Um, and this could be something that you may do for assuming the shoes now are away and he doesn't have access to them for, let's say, a week. And then while you're there, go ahead and start bringing the shoes out around in the area where the toys are, not mixed in as if it's one of the toys, but as, as if you sat in the chair and took them off right there. And then if he goes towards the shoe starts going towards the sandals at all that's when grab another i would probably do something like um well actually i would have like a squeaky toy at that point hopefully he likes squeaky toys and if he oh, yeah. looks over that shoes i would immediately squeak and to- uh, squeak the toy and toss it away from the shoes and continuing continue to keep his focus away from the shoes in other words what you're doing here is rewarding him for walking for leaving the sandals would be one way to think about that. I would, and one of the reasons, pardon me a second, of using the toys is since you were talking about he likes the toys and he's young, um, that's something that's going to most likely will keep him engaged. And what you want, and, and the way we progress from this is that <clears throat> we'd start replacing maybe having the shoes there and when he walked away from shoes occasionally give him a piece of kibble food kibble or a treat something okay um so you could mix it up along that line but the idea being that he doesn't get anything if he goes towards the sandals um and if he and if need be then you take the sandals out of him where he can't get to it at all so the idea being that no the sandals are here you just leave them alone so it's kind of really over time i wouldn't worry about it since, since you said it doesn't always happen, um, I would think more of giving him, um, you said you've got the toys out for him. Here we go. Sorry, and this is part of what I love and may be frustrating sometimes on, on people listening on Talking Animals. But when you're leaving, have some toy that he really loves that he only gets when you're leaving. Okay, so that that's way, a good his, point. Yeah. his focus is, oh, my gosh, this is my favorite, and he's not going to even think about your shoes or anything else. So that would be another way to play into this. So here's multiple options you could go with. Um, very, very good. Yeah. yeah. He, so. It's funny. When we come home and he's chewed a shoe, if we ask him, what's this? He, he acts like we beat him. You know, he, he puts his head down, and he goes to the – we don't even have to raise our voice. We just say, what did you do? And he – because he, I think he knows, you know. He goes to the corner like he feels guilty, you know. But I will try the uh, the special toys that yeah. uh, he doesn't get all the time. That's really good. I will try that for sure. Thank you so much. I, I hope it works. Th- Absolutely. Thank you, Susan, Thanks so much for your call. Hip, hip jar. 
There you go. WMNF.org. Thank you. Okay, so this is sorry. Uh, I can never, I can never get out of my fundraising mode. No, uh, we 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 always need that kind of boost and to remind people that there's a lot of resources at stake here and that we anything they can do to try to help support those that are great. So this is Talking Animals. This is Acid Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. You can get in on it as we got some callers that are holding by calling 813-239-9663. You can also email dj at wmnf.org. In fact, one of our friends from the show said, I found that a pair of flip-flops are cheaper than most dog toys. Now, if someone would just invent some squeaky flip-flops, so that's uh, Bob from (laughs) Melbourne. But but you can also text 813-433-0885 to get your question or comment in to Glenn here. So we're going to take our next caller now that's been holding ever so patiently. Hi, you're on Talking Animals on Acid Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. Hello. Hi, good morning. Hi. My name is Madeline. I'm from Tampa. Um, I mean, I've been living here in Tampa. I'm an Army veteran, and I love rescuing animals, obviously. I've had a few rescues of my own. I, I just recently rescued an animal of a terrier that was is an elder. He is 14, and he's very um, close to me because he came from a very broken home. Um, and one of the things I do realize is if I do leave any of the spare bedrooms open, one of them, he likes to go pee there, even though it's been a year. And obviously, I try to keep them closed. But I just wanted to know, obviously, there are so many products out there. I immediately use my same cleaner. But what could I use to try to, um, number one, try to stop him so at some point I can leave the rooms open? And the other thing is, what what would I could I use? That would be good for the carpet because he won't do it downstairs. He'll run upstairs, do it on the carpet, and he knows what he did. Um, mm. uh, to remove the stain, or you know, um, I've I use the steam cleaner all the time. But you know, is there a product that it would be most recommended for trainers or, or by trainers for people to like help them not to do this anymore? Um, actually, there are the the things that most people use are enzymatic cleaners. Because okay. the enzymes will break down those smells more than a, a, a general cleaner would be. And I um, remember picking those up when I lived in Miami. However, I have not, there was one that was so amazing and it was an enzymatic cleaner, but I have not found anything. I mean, I don't know where could I find something like that at, at my local pet shop. Right. I would, I would check the pet stores. Okay. Um, I would actually say, depending on where you are, I mean, <clears throat> I would check both the big box stores and also some of the smaller boutiques. Yeah, I'm in Carrollwood, may- so there's a few stores I can ask around. I just, you know, I'll go to my local, yeah. like, steam cleaner liquid, and then I'll pull out the steam cleaner, and it's just a, you know, and I'm like, dang, the stain isn't coming out yet. You know, it, it'll come out eventually, but sometimes you just want the instant gratification or knowing that he's not going to go there again, you know. Um, yeah. But other well, than that, like, I... It- I feel very blessed that I have him and that he oh, has yeah. me, you know. <laughs> at, at 14, that's fabulous. Does he always go to the same spot? He tends to change it a little bit. It's always in the same room. Um, and okay. obviously, All I right. have four rescue cats. Um, I have another dog. I have guinea pigs. So they're all, like, in their separate areas. It's just sometimes that mm-hmm. I'm on the run, so I leave the door open, and he's like, Oh, this is where the cat sometimes likes to hang out. So I think sometimes it's a scent thing, just like you mentioned about the shoes. My cat, when I rescued them, they rubbed their bodies on my sweaty shirt when a few weeks after they got accustomed to me because they were feral um, and taken to the rescue. So once they got used to me, they're like, I love your smell, Mom. Thank you for saving me. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I put my shoes in a bucket. I was going to suggest to the lady, maybe put the shoes in a bucket and kind of like put something on top of the bucket. But <laughs> Well, but I mean, know. that's that's another idea about basically yeah. because what that really is, <laughs> is what you want to do is take away the dog's ability to to do yeah. the behavior we want them to stop. I mean, other and than that, he's in the past, my, my doggy is so attached to me. It's like everywhere I go, Snoopy's there because he, he came from a really broken home. So that's the part I'm like, oh, he's here again. Like, he, he just can't be without seeing me. But I'm what's okay his with weight? that. Huh? How, what's his weight? He's about 17 pounds. <clears throat> okay. So I, because one thought that I had since you said he goes upstairs is if you had some sort of a gate that would block him from going up but still would allow the cats to come to go through. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just two spare <clears throat> bedrooms, so I'll shut the doors. <clears throat> it's just sometimes the, yeah. the cats like to lay in funny <clears throat> places like – there's a, a little oh, window, so a little, a little bit of sun creeps through. So he's, I'm like, why are you in the dark with just a little tiny sun? You know, Cassidy is really interesting, but just as dogs and guinea pigs. But it's just, it's just interesting to hear all the other things that people have to say about animals and rescuing. So I really appreciate, like, this is my first time actually talking um, on Talking Animals. So thank you again. I don't want to take anybody else's time. I just really want to thank you for having a heart for and an affinity and love for animals. Madeline, thank you so thank much you for your call and your nice comments. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have Bye-bye. a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Talking Animals. This is uh, Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. And again, we're taking calls at 813-239-9663. As a reminder, as you can see, Glenn is very thorough and careful with his answers. So we do ask you to just sit tight and hang on. Uh, you might have to hold for a few minutes before Glenn can get to you, but we will try to get to everybody. And we are taking some email questions, of course, as well as at DJ at WMNF.org. We'll get to one of those shortly as well. We also have the option to text your question or comment for Glenn at 813-433-0885. So, um, let, ahead, me, let me just add one quick thing. Um, what Madeline was saying about it's a room where the cats are frequently in, um, and that's the room where um, the dog usually, or where the dog goes into. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I often mention is when a dog goes outside to go to the bathroom, it basically the whole sniffing around, he's looking for that stimul- that right stimulation that'll trigger, okay, now I'm ready to go. Um and that popped into mind when she was talking about the dog going into that room is that he goes in there and does get sense stimulation, probably from the other animals, um, people, everything along that line. I'm sure probably there's some dog smells in there as well. And all of those things are going to be triggers for an animal to add their own mark. You know, so there's absolutely, I think, an aspect that's playing this playing into that as well. Okay, cool. So that's sort of an addendum there, Madeline, for uh, yeah. for your for your question. All right, let's take another caller, and then we'll take one of our emailers after that. Hi, you're on Talking Animals. Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. Yeah, I don't have a question. Um, I just wanted to make a comment. As a kid, we had a dog named Candy, a German Shepherd, and my dad bred her and named every one of them. It was 1976. So everything was named after the Bicentennial area. And we kept one, Sarah, who was named after Saratoga. But fast forward to today, I have a lady that walks her dog down my street. And if he doesn't pee on my mailbox, I'm a little bit disappointed. 
Most of the time he does. That's all I got. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> that's a great story. Thank you very much for your call. Okay. All right, let's take uh, one of our emailers, and then we'll get back to some of the callers that have been holding as well. This email says, I have a nine-month-old hound mix, a mom blue tick, dad unknown. He's the most vocal dog I have owned. I've had lots. Not a fan of bark collars, but my question is, how can we discourage him? Mostly it seems to be fear-based, thunder, firecrackers, etc. That's from Wendy. Yes, and there's a lot of reasons you don't want to use fear-based kind of things, and part of it is you never know what the dog's actually reacting to on fear base. And what you want to change here <clears throat> is you don't want to suppress that barking, you want to change it. And that's one of the things about you know going with punishment kind of things is it really suppresses more than doing any sort of changing. Um, as a trainer, getting uh, dealing with this issue has always been one of my biggest challenges because it is there's several things that are playing into this. Unfortunately, is that it's a hound mix, um, and you know a lot of hounds you know have that very loud um, they, that very loud talk. You know they're talkers, they're very expressive. Um, but what you want to do is, I mean, what we would do in, in this case, especially being at nine months old, again, we're because of the still young and um, very responsive, hopefully would be one who responds well to <clears throat> treats. I would actually go to clicker training and go for click for quiet. Um, and I'm not going to go into the details behind it. I would, I would look at Victoria Stillwell's site always, I think, has really good ways to explain some concepts or to explain some things. Sometimes I think it might be a little too simple, um, but her website is Positively.com. So I would, I would do research on Click for Quiet. Now, there is some building up. One is to get your dog understanding that that click, what it means in using it. But there's also the other, well, so you'd want to make sure that you're doing it right because you didn't, you wouldn't want to backfire and realize that you are rewarding your dog for barking. And that's one of the, that's one of the fine lines in working on click to quiet is making sure that you're clicking making sure that you're reinforcing the quiet. So it, it can be a challenge. Now, that's taking one approach. Another thing I have, I've seen in just with a couple of dogs, but it's worth trying, I believe, if it is, especially if it's an, a really bad problem, is trying a thunder shirt or some sort of a calming shirt because even though the idea is you know, or the intent is that's going to help a dog, you know, deal with loud noises. But the way it does is it calms the dog down because it gives them that squeeze. And again, if you want to, I, I've, I've said this before, it invariably, I always go back to Temple Grandin on every one of these. But if you really want to understand how it works, read, you know, go into Temple Grandin stuff and understand, you know, the, the cow shoot, cattle shoot. Um, and, um, for some dogs, that little bit of calmness, little bit of relaxation can mitigate some of that barking. Not all of it, but some of it. Um, but the thing with the Thunder Shirt, if it mitigates some, that's a perfect time then most likely you've got that dog in that 
mental space to where training can be really effective to work on the click for quiet because the dog's relaxed a little bit. So that would be my approach with uh, what sounds like a um, a very active nine-month-old hound. Great. Okay, so that was for Wendy who emailed uh, DJ at WMNF.org as part of our show today. It's uh, Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell on Talking Animals on WMNF. And we have some callers holding. We're going to get to one of those momentarily. They called 813-239-9663. Again, Wendy, who we just heard Glenn respond to, email dj at wmnf.org. Or you also have the option to text 813-433-0885. And again, if you do call in, just be prepared to wait a little bit just because, again, Glenn is very careful and, and thorough in his responses. So just don't give up. We know you're there. So we're going to take one of those callers right now. Hi, you're on the Talking Animals with Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. Hi, did you have a question for Glenn? Is this, are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Hi, I, I do have a question. Are cat questions available? Is that on the yeah. table? Yeah, absolutely. We tried to tap that a few times because uh, we, we don't want to be biased against the cat community, for sure. All right, I just hopped in. All I've heard is dog stuff. So yeah, no, we're def- here. Def- definitely open to cat stuff. All right. I, I just got a kitten not too long ago, and uh, the guy is always suckling on me, and I need him to stop. How do I make him stop this? He, he's about 10 weeks old, 10, 11 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going after, like, a pant leg or something? He'll go after my arms, my ears, sometimes Everything. the tip of my nose, anything, any skin he can get his mouth on. Okay. Um, does he do it? Have you seen him do it? Can you get him to do it to other items? I have seen him do it to a pillow. Okay. Um, I have one of my cats um, I got separated, I think, from the litter a little bit too early. He ended up, we found him um, at the base of a tree. Um, none yeah. of the others were around. And he was a little bit young. I mean, I think he was a couple of weeks young. And he has a tendency to do that as well, not to us. But to um, to his tail, um, but also then to blankets and such. So yeah. what I would start trying to do is when he tries to do it to you, give him one of those things, give him something else to do it to. But I would absolutely try go giving him the tip, seeing if he'll take the tip of his tail. Um, um, but again, thinking that it's, there's some obviously at ten weeks old, you know, he still has this. Um, need to be able i mean to be to be suckling so yeah i would ask at first it was cute but now it's creepy <laughs> um well yeah and as he got older yeah he might start opening his mouth a little bit more um yeah. but you know just think i'm just really thinking of things like almost teething kind of things and they do yeah. make things like that for animals um and i would look for something along that line or things along that line with multiple textures as well. You know, some okay. being fabric-like, others being, you know, you know they just make textures. Cat, yeah. cat chew toys? Do they make that stuff? Um, specifically... Dog, I know they make dog chew toys. Yeah, and that's why it may be you may just have to find things that are kind of, oh, well, let's try this. Um, yeah. You know, that... Um, but I would check. They probably do, but again, well... Here you go. This is one of the great things about YouTube. Um, you could you could search for something like that and probably find some do-it-yourself little things like that. 
um, even on YouTube. But obviously, we're not talking about anything, you know, big. So, you know, just thinking of previous conversations, even if you had, um, let's say, the the leather strap from a, you know, an old leather belt, for example, who knows? Maybe there is, you know, maybe that would be something. So I would look at things like that that you can get the kitten to focus on rather, again, rather than focusing on you. At first, I tried to get him to use a a baby bottle. I thought that's what he needed when I first got Mm -hmm. him. And uh, he chewed right through the nipple immediately. And so I realized that he's, you know, he's too big for this. Do they make bigger stuff, like, you know, stuff that uh, a bigger cat could use? Yes. Like bottles like that? I haven't Um, seen them in look online. Whether it's bottles, well, actually, I mean, actually, the way we do, actually, the way we do most of our bottle feeding, well, I shouldn't say that. We actually do bottle feeding um, as well here at the shelter. I'm trying to think if we've got any of those videos on YouTube. <laughs> um, but there are indestructible-type toys that yeah. that you would want to look for. And, again, um, I think you, may, you probably would find some of those things store-wise, but... Most of your cat toys, most of the cat toys are more like prey things that the cat can go after rather than teething things. So yeah. that's why it may be some dog stuff you have to uh, to look at. All right, I'll experiment a little. I Good luck it. with it. Okay, absolutely. Thanks so much Here. for your call. And Glenn, uh, someone quickly texted in and said maybe half joking, not sure the, that kitten needs another kitten. <laughs> So I don't know if, uh, if that's well, ever a solution knows. in that situation. I mean, but, it's, uh, it's some that's for some cats that would probably be true, and for other cats not. So yeah. it's kind of fifty-fifty. But like, you know, that is absolutely something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking about that that thing there. But one way to find out on that is fostering. You know, that's one of the great things about fostering is if you're interested in getting another animal and not sure how yours is. You know, that's well. Anyway, that's a whole different um, that's a whole different show. <laughs> right. Well, someone actually is just texting in as a follow up. Just say, perhaps a mini Kong. They make very tiny Kongs, and, exactly. and a cat's not going to destroy that. So um, exactly. That's so, what I had in mind. Yep, and there are there are some very very tiny ones. So again, this is the Ask the Trainer edition of Talking Animals. Our trainer, of course, is Glenn Hatchell. We'll have another uh, ten fifteen minutes of the show, and you're welcome to call in eight one three two three nine nine six six three to ask your question of Glenn. You also, of course, can send that by email at dj at wmnf.org or via text at eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. And uh, by the way, Glenn, Wendy called uh, uh wrote back and said funny i used clicker training 50 years ago when i trained sea lions never thought of it for this he is treat motivated so i'll give it a shot thanks so much great show by the way so that's all from Perfect. wendy so let's take our callers here and then we'll get some more of our texts and email messages hi you're on talking animals it's ask the trainer with glenn hatchell hi you're on the air hello well may have lost this when they were holding for a long long time okay no problem so Please feel free to call back, 813-239-9663. And again, I'm sorry, sometimes you're on hold a little bit longer time than would be ordinary, but it's only because we're getting really great, thorough questions uh, answered by Glenn. And then this one says, kittens should only be adopted with another kitten. That way they take things out on the other kitten, not on the human. So that's one point of view. Well, but this was just suckling, though. This wasn't an aggression type of wanting to scratch you and play and stuff. It was just a, a suckling kind of, you know... Mom, I'm not done milking yet. 
<laughs> right, yeah. We've got, what it sounded like to me. Right. We've got Mark or Texture about the uh, the kitten thing saying, back to the, the small Kong, you can put a little tune on it and entice the cat to go for it. So, Yep. So. And and in this case, though, it's it's as much, well, these are all great things because all, uh, and especially that one is because it's talking about getting the cat on directed on something other than the arm. Yeah. Um, and where I was just thinking about pure from the pure suckling aspect, but yes, and even actually with yes with the tuna and the and the kong, I mean that's perfect because also the way the kongs kick around on the floor, instant toy as well. For sure, yeah, it's got uh, double whammy for you. So uh, so again, uh, this is Talking Animals. We're doing a Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. You're uh, welcome to call in at eight one three two three nine nine six six three. Email DJ at WMNF dot org. Or text eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. Just going to briefly describe uh, what we have in line for next week's show, and then we're we'll, going to talk to Glenn a little bit more as we welcome other uh, calls and emails. My guest next week will be Ed Young, a staff writer at The Atlantic who won the Pulitzer Prize for his coverage of COVID-19. He's also the author of uh, books, most recently, An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us. Truly an extraordinary book, which we'll be discussing. Uh, that's uh, next Wednesday, August 17th on Talking Animals, so I hope you'll join me then. So, Glenn, this might seem rhetorical, maybe even self-evident, but what ways are basic training of a dog important on an ongoing basis? Masters of routine, I've said before, with dogs, they're just, you know, dogs find out patterns that we don't even realize we do. Um, and they start learning like five steps ahead of, you, you know, you doing something that, oh, we're going for a walk. And all of a sudden, you know, as you're walking towards the leash, the dog's already off the couch. Um, I use that as an example because I think a lot of people have, um, have, found that, have, have found that scenario. And that's great that the dogs recognize that. But then so many of these dogs, because they're excited, are going to go bopping around at the you know, door, get leashed up, and the door opens, and they go bolting out. Um, and giving structure to the routine, again, with dogs being masters, in that scenario, if we get the dog to realize, nope, you don't go blasting out, we're going to walk out, and first you have to sit. So if you think back through this, we have all kinds of steps that are going to happen. You're going to get your shoes on first, if that's the case. You're going to have to get leashes. The dogs are going to sit. They're going to have to be leashed up. You're going to have to walk to the door. You've got to open the door. You've got to make sure they don't go bolt out. So there's actually through this, there's about seven or eight easily training opportunities to get the dog to pay attention to you, increase that bond, and, oh, we have to do this first, and this is how we do it. And that's that repetitive routine that the dogs are going to go out for the walk, but what we need to do is, the way I like to think about it, is insert these steps in there that the dog has to do before they can pass go and get, you know, get to the next step. I'm not going to say get a treat because <clears throat> after a while, the treat is going for that walk. The thing about going through and learning those foundation skills like that, for example, that's a really, really exciting time for a dog because most all of our dogs, that's their favorite, favorite thing is to go out for a walk. So they've got to learn impulse control because they really want to go for the walk. But here I've got to sit. Um, so all of the basic, all of those foundational skills 
of swinging the ball right, going back to the baseball analogy again, um, get developed in there. And what the dog also learns through that is regardless of where we are, if I get this cue from mom or dad, this is where I sit because I know what's going to come next. So it's that combination of having the skills built into the natural environment or being able to have those foundation skills and using them in the right times in the natural environment to get your dog to be the dog that is the perfect dog for you, if I wrap that up properly. and But one of the big things, though, is, at least from my perspective in the shelter, that dogs who have gone through training and have that good, those good foundation skills, the chance that they're Return the return rate of those dogs back to a shelter for behavior reasons is like less than one percent. So there's a lot of reasons that dogs are returned to us. It usually has to do with household member won't allow, or there's landlord housing issues or mm. owner health issues. Yeah, yeah was, the other things we're seeing right now is more and more financial issues. Right. But, I was going to ask you about that with the uh, inflation <clears throat> and just the skyrocketing prices of. You know, gas, groceries, other things have uh, had that kind of impact on your shoulders. We've, well. we've seen it. We've there. There are often um, dogs who are surrendered because of financial conditions. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. now it's not by any means. I don't think it's our number one reason, but it's enough to where it's like, oh, we're seeing more of these than we were, you know, a few months ago. I'm sure. But again, there's also a lot of factors that play into that for everybody. Yeah. Um, but the again coming. Thinking again of the human-animal bond, through this learning process for the dogs, they're getting rewarded, and the dogs realizing again that their human provides them the greatest things ever. And dogs generally are pleasers, you know, in that real rewarding the right way. But anyway, I was getting back onto that, but we were talking about coming dogs coming back into the shelter, one of the things I started looking at was, or started paying more attention to, was the number of dogs that were coming back to us for behavior reasons and what could we do. And we had been, we've used a, uh, a company called Good Pup for a while that d- does video one-on-one training. And as things progressed and I started talking to them, we actually ended up teaming with a foundation called RORF, the Ryan Animal Animal Rescue Foundation, to um, provide provide four weeks of training for our dogs that are adopted. Oh, wow. Um, Now, this period of time is just during the Buccaneers training camp because the Ryan... A Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation is Logan Ryan, one of the defensive backs for oh, the Buccaneers. Wow. So he he has provided the funding for us to be able to provide that with the dog. So I'm I'm interested to see, obviously from just that pure data perspective going forward. But again, the important thing is getting that basic training, and this was then something we could do because it, tr- it is a challenge for a lot of people right now of finding a trainer that they can afford because there aren't a lot of qualified trainers, and the qualified trainers aren't, um, you know, it's not having your dog trained isn't the most inexpensive thing you're going to be doing. For sure. So. All right, well, let's try to take one more uh, caller before we run out of time here, Glenn, and uh and see what we'll do from there. But let's try to at least welcome this caller. Hi, you're on Talking Animals. It's Ask the Trainer with Glenn Hatchell. Thanks for holding so patiently. Hello. 
Hi, go ahead. It's you. Yes, I run a dog rescue, and I've got like 28 dogs, and I've got a small, I guess it's about a 12-year-old chihuahua that I did let stay in the house, but he would poop on the bed anywhere. Now I put him in the official dog room, and he poops in his crate, doesn't want to leave his crate. I don't know if he's just unhappy with me or what's the best plan of action, getting Um, the poop outside. Well, a couple of things that come to mind. One, I would absolutely um, make sure that um, a vet has ruled out anything that could be medical going on with him. Um, Okay. And the other is that I don't know what the size of the crate is, but um, generally a dog that goes in the crate is in a crate bigger, or I shouldn't say generally, sometimes it's a crate bigger than the dog needs. So there is space where the dog can, you know, go. So uh-huh. those those are the, so I would think about a smaller crate as well. But of course, there's a lot of factors to that as far as how long, the length of time the dog's in the crate and, and those kind well, of things. He can come and go as he pleases. The door's always open. He just doesn't want to leave it. Got it. Got it. But he goes, but he, so he's, he stays in the crate, but then also goes to the bathroom in the crate. That's it. I can try a smaller crate. Yeah, I would, I would, th- I would think of, I mean, that would be the first thing I would consider, but there could be, you know, like any, my, considering 12 years old, um, uh-huh. you know, it could be the kind of thing that this is just the part of the iceberg that we can see. And that's part of why I'm kind of hesitant on 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 saying on, on really throwing out a lot of options because it's like um, there's a lot that could be going on here. But again, like I said, my first thought would be make sure, especially since he's 12 years old, make sure that the vet has ruled out any underlying medical things that may be going on okay. with him. I will give that a try. All right, Carl. All right. Thank you so much for your okay, call. Appreciate you. it. Good luck to you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Glenn, we're, I think we're just nearing the end of our time. I don't think we have a time for another caller or emailer at this point, but I do want to thank you once again for all the great uh, info and guidance you provided our callers and emailers. And um, this has been Glenn Hatchell from uh, the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, and he's uh, the Behavior and Enrichment Manager there and a long-time uh, uh, dog trainer and behaviorist, and we do these every three or four months when we can. It's uh, kind of Glenn to donate his time in that way. So, Glenn, thank you so much once again for a great edition of Asset Trainer on Talking Animals on WMNO. Absolutely, Duncan. Thanks for letting me do this. It's always it's always fulfilling and a lot of fun. So, That's And great. again, hit the tip jar, listeners, WMNF.org. There you go. We like that. Any any uh, entreaty for uh, donating and support of the station? We always love that as an added bonus as well. So thank you so much, Glenn. Absolutely. Take care. Take, catch you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We have just about reached the end of Talking Animals on WMNF. The music kicks back in momentarily or virtually momentarily with Scott Elliott from noon to 3 p.m. with glorious three hours of music followed by Robin Hooper with yet another three hours of music. And we just keep the music coming as we roll into our block of Latin programming and beyond. Again, I want to remind you that my guest next week on Talking Animals will be Ed Young, a staff writer at The Atlantic. He won the Pulitzer Prize for his coverage for the uh, in The Atlantic on COVID-19. He's also the author of some books. This most recent one is An Immense World, How Animal Senses Reveal the Hidden Realms Around Us. 
truly an exceptional book, just big and sprawling and yet light and nimble. And uh, I guess that's why somebody is uh, a Pulitzer winner, because he's just got extraordinary skills. But this just covers all kinds of ground and all kinds of ways about animals that I really look forward to discussing. And I think you might enjoy the conversation next week on that with Ed Young here on Talking Animals on WNF. So there's archives of all our shows on TalkingAnimals.net and uh, links to our social media pages are there as well. And you can also subscribe to our newsletter to find out about our guests a couple of days beforehand and other news from the Talking Animals world. That's all found at TalkingAnimals.net. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. My thanks again to Glenn Hatchell for another great edition of Ask the Trainer. We really appreciate his time and input and guidance. And as I think the listeners that were helped directly, and again, some people listening just get picked up information that might be uh, applicable to their uh, dogs or cat, as case may be. So have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. This is Talking Animals on WMF. Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater, Largo, Wikiwachi, and beyond. We'll catch you next Wednesday at 11 a.m. on Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. Stay tuned for Scott Elliott after the NPR News headlines. Thanks.